Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. White Sox fans, guess what? We are right back at you during what seems to be now Bad Vibes Week here at Southside Sox. Oh, every week isn't Bad Vibes Weeks. Stop that. You're listening, so it can't be that bad, right? This is Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 72. It's a Carlton Fisk episode we have. We're mostly going to be playing off of Rick Hahn's performance at the GM meetings, whatever they're called now, owners meetings, whatever it is. Um, nothing shocking, but still stuff worth talking about. Uh, and maybe we'll even see sunshine poking through the clouds somewhere. I don't know. I challenge all four of you to do that with me tonight. It is our, uh, latest or maybe our foremost, or maybe our premier t-shirt designer and, uh, offbeat writer. It is Adrian Serrano with us. Once again, he doesn't miss many. I'm digging that. Uh, speaking of not missing many representing the entirety of the Indianapolis field office. It is once again, Crystal O'Keefe. Welcome. A delicious treat from sharing sacks. We stole them. We might just steal them from good because for good, because his son is off like being a director or something. Uh, Lee Allen. Welcome. Good to have you back. Speaking of offbeat writers. Uh, thank you for being with us. And Zach Hayes. Uh, I think Zach, you are now, 
you're the Darren Black of the major league team. I think actually, if you look, if you, let's see, I'm going to wave here. If you, if anybody's watching, if you look through that doorway behind him, me and Zach, we're also actually roommates. So Zach, turn the speakers down. I'm getting some reverb coming from you, but Zach is with us all the time too. Uh, and, you know, again, thanks for, thanks for taking the time for this half hour, 45 minutes. Let's get right to Rick Hahn. <laughs> An interesting, inauspicious offseason debut, I suppose. Uh, he has spoken on some topics. Uh, they seem to be somewhat spoon-fed from a very select amount of media who has access to Rick Hahn. Not us. Uh, and uh, let's just kick off with Carlos Rodon. The White Sox, as everyone knows, had declined to offer what seemed to be the absolute no-brainer decision of the offseason, offer, make a qualifying offer to Carlos Rodon uh, <laughs> with terrific timing that didn't resemble any sort of crotch kick whatsoever to Rick Hahn. Uh, today, I believe Scott Boris at the owner's meeting, in between his little cute sound bites, uh, made it very clear that Carlos Rodon, whether he gets one or not, is aiming for a multi-year contract, which means it was truly absolutely a no-risk no-brainer decision to make a qualifying offer to Carlos Rodon, a five-war pitcher in two-thirds of a season, uh, because as Scott Boris, Carlos Rodon's mouthpiece at the moment, said he would have rejected that qualifying offer, which is his right. It doesn't matter if he ends up getting five years and $100 or he gets no offer at all. He rejects it. The White Sox get a draft pick. So apparently to Rick Hahn, the draft pick has no value. Carlos Rodon, I got to say, does not have much value at all. He's angling he's he was gambling or is gambling that Rodon's going to be worth maybe 9 million for 2022 uh i'm assuming everyone here shakes their head at the decision but let's just get some thoughts on what has happened with arguably well certainly our ace southpaw and a guy who really put in an extraordinary season for the white Sox and now has been kicked swiftly in the pants so at first when Rick Hahn uh, declined the option, I kind of got the vibe that maybe they thought the market was going to be a little bit lower on Rodon and they were going to try to wait it out and maybe still negotiate. After his comments now, I kind of feel like they know what he's worth and they decided that like they Rick was given his amount of money that he can spend this offseason and he wasn't going to be able to afford both Rodon and the other people that are on his list of targets. So it's kind of like was a necessary decision he had to make, but he got targets in mind and he's going to go try to get them. But Carlos wasn't going to be able to be also afforded, you know, at whatever the price would be 18 or plus. Again, people aren't always watching. I want everyone to know that Adrian, when he just said the other things on Rick Hahn's wishlist, he did not use air quotes. He could have, he did not use air quotes. Okay. The other three of you uh, thoughts on this uh, initial Uh, weird start. It was, it's, if you look at what the predictions are by the experts, not by us, but by the guys who do this for wait all year to do this basically <laughs> yeah. and make the and make the big bucks. Uh the prediction I saw one at one year and twelve ago, but the others were one twenty-five, three forty-five, five seventy-five, and on up the line. And then the teams where he'd be be interested, Houston, Texas, uh, the Angels, the Tigers. I just saw one today for the twins pushing it. The one, the best job, and I think better than we've ever done, anybody I know has ever done, in analyzing Rodon, because health is the question, of course, was done by an SB Nation guy for the Mariners. 
uh, a brilliant piece where he took video of Carlos for the last, I don't know, six years or so with every change in the way that he was pitching and demonstrated on the last one, the great job that has been done this past, this past year that that uh, Katz did uh, this year with getting him to use more body and, and drill through with his legs and hips so that the strain on his arm that had him injured so many times over the years should be alleviated. Any pitcher can get hurt in any five minute period. But it was a really solid argument. This guy wanted the Mariners to take him. Mm. Uh, really solid argument for why the health issues aren't what they were before. And and you know maybe maybe the the Sox have an MRI showing that he's got three fractures going down his left arm. But unless that's the case, uh, somebody should have been doing the homework that this writer for Seattle did because he did a great job. Yeah, in the words of one of the great artistic luminaries of our time, DJ Khaled, congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> like, to build on what Lee just gave us, yeah, I mean, I've been someone who's been on record as saying for quite a while now that I didn't, I, I was not bothered by the fatigue that that we saw out of Rodon in August and September, and that I, I uh, for the reasons that you just gave us, is that his new mechanics were really, really good, and they are a lot different than his old mechanics. There is every reason to believe from, like, an actual mechanical standpoint that, yeah, no, he's not actually, he doesn't have any structural issues with his arm. He was tired. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, maybe we will find out something in the end, but it's it's hard to see a world in which they are vindicated for not giving him this offer in one way or another is all I can say. It it really feels like too, if he was actually, if they knew something, if this like, you know, theory that they know more than everybody else knows, like, I don't think he would have thrown in that playoff game. If he would have actually had an injury, I think they would have gone to somebody else. They would have had Dallas on the roster or something, but like, because they were kind of waiting for him, I think it was just him being tired. He was still hitting 98 miles an hour in the playoff in, in the playoffs, you know, it, because he was ramping it up to 100 percent. You can't do that if you got a torn up shoulder or a torn up elbow, like bottom line. So <laughs> and we don't need a Ouija board to figure out that if there was something because, well, that's the, been the big pushback on this. Like, hey, man, we we're not the Sox. They know something. He's he's dead. If that was the case. How quickly would Bob Nightingale have already tweeted something out saying, well, you know, the word is that he's half dead. He's in a coma. The White Sox are hoping he pulls through and they can sign him for six million next year. We know that would be out there because this is important PR. The White Sox think they know how to do PR. I think they think they can do it better than they do it. But they're usually out in front of that. So this idea that there's some secret dossier of, of health about him, when, yes, a month ago, we saw him hitting triple digits, okay, for a pitch for in a two-inning start that didn't work out too well in the playoffs, but it happened. You know, I, I don't think that was a trick. I don't think that was like some anime series I, I turned to instead of the ALDS. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how... Con easily conned we're supposed to be this early in the it, off season it, it also i mean i go back i claim no great expertise on, on pitchers and, and their health and whatnot i do claim that i listen to steve stone because i think he is an expert and stoney one of many many before the season started was saying you gotta really watch innings on guys who are coming from the 60 game season to 162 
well, how much more do you have to watch innings on a guy who's pitched 40 innings in the last two years? And it was perfectly – and then they had – at one point, was it eight games of 100 or more pitches out of nine, and the others were, were at 97? They just blew him to death in May and, and June, up to the All-Star break, really. Just totally overworked him. It was unbelievable. And now they expect Kopech is going to be a starter next year and give him 160 innings coming up 60 this year without understanding – the same problem. I mean, Bruce is the only, excuse me, Hall of Fame baseball person, is the only manager who worked his starting pitchers that hard. White Sox had many more 100-plus uh, pitch games than anybody else until Philadelphia passed up in late September. But for the most of the season, that was the case until La Russa finally gave up a little on it in September. And Crystal, Crystal, and Crystal, this is something you were hammering, you know, gosh, mid-season, early season. Uh, the White Sox uh, starting health was was generally okay, so it didn't necessitate uh, pushing Kopech hard. But the idea that he never really got stretched, of course, he has time to be stretched for uh, to get into the rotation. He has to now at this point. Yeah. We're just booting starters out left and right. Uh, but you know, this is something you're on. That's like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe he should be getting a little bit more. Let's float that trial balloon of him as a starter, eh, maybe a little more aggressively. Well, and the truth is neither one of them have played full seasons because they've been so injury prone. So you've got one phenomenal starting pitcher that, yeah, showed a little bit of fatigue, but again, was getting used to being back in this 162 game season. And then you have a pitcher that opted out, like didn't even play last year. And it seems clear as that Rickon does not have any interest in finding another starting pitcher. It's just Kopech is the answer. So you've got Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito, who I guess I trust. And then you have Michael Kopech that is apparently going to be warmed up in time, which I don't believe. And then Dallas, who's just been awful. So why, what was the reasoning behind not adding someone that you were confident in all season and has finally had a full season under his belt. And just like, it just, it, it's mind boggling. Like, I don't even know what to say about it. You are putting your trust in five guys that can't prove that they can do anything. Well, Crystal, don't worry. Me and Zach have worked it out. Uh, um, Giolito and uh, Lynn only have to average, I think we figured, Zach, uh, seven and a third innings per start, seven and two thirds innings maybe per start totally to make up for right all there. the the uh, it, the lack of starts, maybe the lack of health. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, that's not a big know, ask. Lucas might be able to do it. Lucas, <laughs> as great as he is. I don't trust him after five. So that should be interesting. Yeah. I mean, lost in this is a lot of people got to get a lot more comfortable with Dylan Cease, like going out there in big games, because like, you know, he didn't pitch in 2020 in the playoffs. He had a very short leash in 2021 in the playoffs. It's like, well, now you're really counting on him. to be. And he had an ERA over six against teams over 500. Yeah. Hey, um, Go ahead. I don't know, just to, to build on all of that. And that's also just all making the assumption that Dallas Keuchel is a, a, supposed to be a starter on this team next year. I said this on Twitter earlier today. He's got a $20 million option 
for 2023 that vests in 160 innings pitched. So it's like, you can't see my face if you're listening right now, but <laughs> the White Sox are dumb. Are they really that dumb? They are. because maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they are. But, you know, I'll take this. I'll take a sizable chunk out of this hat if they actually have any anything close to anything resembling an intention of letting Dallas Keuchel pitch a full year in the rotation next year, whether it's via trade, whether it's via sending him to Mars on Elon Musk's, you know, experimental rocket flight. I don't know. Uh, but even pretending that the rotation is full is like, that's, that's barely even a plausible thought exercise right now, you know, and putting their trust in Michael Kopech. Mm-hmm. That is, I will great, great guy, but I just don't day. see that the stamina will work. Yeah. And even looking into it, like after that uh, thing came out about like, oh, they're, you know, the rotation's full. Like I did look into it and like we had in 2021, the Rockies were the only team that used six pitchers to start games and everybody else in the league used between seven and 13. So, I mean, you're going to need more starters than just the five. Like it's just going to be a problem. And then one's on an inning limit for sure in Kopech and then, you know, Dallas is a question mark and Cease is a question mark. And even Giolito at times is a question mark. Like Lance's health is a question mark. Like it's good news for, it's good news for Norhe Vera to get his first major league start next year, because the White Sox are clearly not even close to 12 deep. Uh, You all know Zach, particularly you, you know, the White Sox are going to push to the point where Dallas Keuchel has got 159 and a third innings. There's a runner on first, and they're going to let him have that one more batter thinking he's going to strike him out, and it's going to be a double play ball. <laughs> 2023 Dallas Keuchel. Of course, of course, that makes him kind of untradeable, too, because the that option carries over. It doesn't disappear if he gets traded. That's true. Uh, That's okay. gold glove winner Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, really. Let's, let's lay some respect on the man. Let's go to another... K pitcher who actually does throw a few more K's than Dallas Keuchel and that's Craig Kimbrell who again in, in, in what seems like almost a contradictory move to the Renan decision perhaps it's certainly a, a lot of um, mush mouth type talk from GM Rick Hahn in that uh, they've talked to Craig Kimbrell they know where they're at which I guess means we've talked about the fact that they're going to try to trade him or they might trade him or maybe he's going to just be the closer they're going to use him correctly they finally actually talked to him and said hey how do you want to pitch Craig or maybe we're going to tell Tony not to throw you three days in a row or maybe even two days in a row Zach thank you uh, hat tip on that great piece uh, okay so Craig Kimbrell's back He's now the White Sox problem to deal with. It's 16 million to have to unload, which clearly I think in any trade, in almost any trade, they're going to have to give away some dough. That's dead money on the books. Uh, let's hope it's not much or perhaps best case scenario. I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's the best case scenario, but he's the closer for 2022 and pitches well because he's used correctly and he's not completely blown and ready to start his uh, countdown to the hall hall of fame. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is at least temporarily a Chicago White Sox bullpen cog feelings. <laughs> My wife, who does not like sports, <laughs> does not follow them at all, will take time out of her busy day to scream about the closer mystique and how incredibly stupid it is. And I find myself having to agree with her that if a guy just cannot get can't get his head into it unless it's the ninth inning and the beginning of the ninth inning and his team is up between one and three runs he better damn well be perfect he better be mariano rivera or he's useless (laughs) he's certainly not worth 16 million dollars yeah 
And I think in what you wrote, Zach, in season doesn't necessarily um, coddle Kimbrell where it's like, well, he's got to be the ninth inning guy, but it's, it's really more like just use him correctly, use him in the first inning, but use him correctly. Cause that's really the key here. He might not feel that way, but in terms of what the results we should expect are it just don't overwork a guy whose arm is getting a little bit of mileage. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go on record as thinking that Craig Kimbrell is not going to be on the 2022 White Sox. Um, the calculus of Rodon is not worth 18 million, but Kimbrell is worth 16 million. Uh, They're I, I, get that trade right. <laughs> the White Sox, though the White Sox attempted PR is basically just kind of lying to our faces, you know, like I, Rick Hahn can say that and he can say that with a straight face. Do I believe even he's like putting those two things next to each other and believing it? Like was born at night, not last night. Like he's <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> That's the problem with the White Sox. They treat us like we're babies, you know. With they, they Do the other like- four of you believe that maybe possibly could be they've actually got a deal kind of done and that's why they did it is that's the only thing I can think of that explains this. I have no sure. trust, no yeah. trust in their front <laughs> office. Even and even if they do have a trade in mind, that brings up an, another issue because, like, you have Tapera free agent, Marshall free agent. You're trying to trade Kimbrel. You don't know what's up with Crochet yet. Like, is he going to be a starter? Are they going to be? Is he going to be the you know the Kopech of next year? Like, so this is a lot of questions in the bullpen too. So we have questions <laughs> across the pitching staff now and not a lot of answers. And it feels like at 60 million, even if they have a deal, they either got to eat some of that money, which I know they're not going to like to do that, or they're going to have to give up more prospects when you gave up prospects to get him in the first place. Lee, my um, Manny Machado personalized White Sox jersey uh, fuels my <laughs> answer of no, I do not have confidence. There's a deal. Yes, you would. I To, 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 to your question, I certainly hope, Han has surveyed enough to feel confident there's something where he's not going to just com- get completely hosed in a deal. But, and it does seem like trading works out better for him maybe than free agency, but 29 teams know the position he's in. Um, I think they might even, you know, read some tweets or, or, or follow some of what's being written about the team. It's not going to be a surprise. It's like, Hey, wait, we ought to get like 8 million wedge into this deal uh, and maybe downgrade the prospect. Uh, you know, this, these aren't secrets. Um, so I don't know how confident, like Crystal, I don't know how confident I am that there's like something. Kind of, I was going to say, it did kind of seem like he was trying to pump up the value of him by saying, like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe we moved it. Maybe we just used him wrong. But like, man, how damning <laughs> is it to come out and say, like, you know what? Maybe we did. Maybe we used him wrong. <laughs> Are you sure they weren't? They didn't invite like the Rick Khan, who's just a season ticket holder in the 500 level to the Zoom, and it wasn't actually Rick Khan, the GM. He's the guy who makes these calls. Why is he like, maybe we didn't use him right? How complicated is it to say, hey, Tony, I know Tony's the number two in the organization. I got it, but come on. We're really supposed to be like, oh, damn, gosh, I hope, I hope this year they do it right. Man. Maybe Han's going to be the new Mets GM. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> or maybe that guy who's a season ticket holder, the 500 level named Rick Khan is going to be the next Mets GM. Sorry, all of our Mets White Sox fans out there. I, I think that Rick Khan probably has a seat at the table, but that table is in <laughs> McDonald's in Maryville, Indiana. The kids' table. Rick Khan is still at the kids' table. Oh, yeah. 
I hope he hears uh, that. Rick. Because I will double down. It is in Maryville, Indiana. It is a kid's play place. It's- they finally reopened them. That's his seat at the table, and he is eating his Happy Meal. But that's near the Alvinus Candy Store, so it's not bad. Yeah, it's right there. He's going to stop and get a little to-go treat on his way home. Hey, friends, let's uh, take a break. It's a a perfect time as we are discussing the geography and topography between Chicago and Indianapolis. Uh, To take a break, we'll be right back to discuss a little bit more about Rick Hahn and, oh, I don't know, some other stuff, as much time as we have to do. It's been entertaining first half. Stick around. Please watch, listen to the second half. We'll be back in a minute. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, White Sox fan, minute is up. I said White Sox fan. There's tons of you listening and watching. Come on, you know that. Uh, I'm Brett Valentini hosting Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 72. Friend to the White Sox and certainly friend to you, the White Sox fan. We are here during, I don't know, we sort of backed into it, I guess, because we earlier, our last Mothership Podcast had to do with the worst games of the season. And we started talking a little bit about Rodon, even in that one. And then the Killer Bees came on uh, for a podcast right after that that discussed many of these uh, decisions in detail. And now we're sort of taking the baton from them and continuing that discussion based on, oh, I don't know, not a ter- terrible amount of new information from Rick Hahn. Uh, so let's just continue to marinate in the quotes we have gotten from Rick uh, because they've been entertaining him shouting from the kids' table. At the- oh, you mean like Zach Collins being a perfectly good backup catcher? Boom! I mean, that's it your- is a perfect segue. Lee Allen hits it. You know the man hosts his own podcast, Sharing Socks. Yes, let's talk about the catching situation because apparently there's a... I don't know if there's a long-term plan for Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala and... Mercedes, uh, but yeah, there were quotes, uh, you know, again, I think, I don't think challenged, but uh, maybe not necessarily spoon fed, but somewhere in between uh, from whoever was talking to Rick on his um, um, invite only Zoom conference uh, and, you know, prompted him to talk about the catching situation. And again, seemed maybe a little bit handcuffed, also a little bit of that yeah, they're, they're better than you think. Um, but, uh, I'm going to guess we just don't have any renewed confidence in our backup catching core for 2022. My 11 year old can frame better than Zach Collins. He might also be able to hit better and block. And yeah. And I have a funny little, little story, (laughs) quick little story about that. I was watching a White Sox game with him. Zach Collins was up to bat. And my son was like, you don't like him, do you? And I was like, no, I can't stand him. And then he hit a home run. And my son again was like, what about now? And I was like, no, I still, I can't, I can't do it. Those are too rare for me to even say that I like him after that home run. He said, son, keep watching. You'll see, keep watching. You will also be disappointed in him this season. 
Yeah, the highlight, the highlight no, quality is gonna, definitely the. I'll be disappointed because the White Sox this season. <laughs> That'll start it right there. I screamed about this. I mean, Brad, if you, you know, if you listen to our, our sharing socks, I screamed about this all through spring training and in April. We've got to get a backup catcher. I named that Kurt Casale was my favorite, but I had a whole bunch of other favorites. Casale, incidentally, would have been a very excellent choice. <laughs> this isn't going to work. We got away with it because the Triple AL Central <laughs> collapsed. We didn't have to play major league teams all year. And, and so it was just in, in May, we knew we had the entire division one and, and we could put in Collins and we could put in Zavala. Uh, and of course, we were in the playoffs such a short time that nobody needed to catch an inning besides uh, Yaz. But I don't think, you know, when I look at the list of the predictions of what free agents are going where, like Correa going to Detroit, and that kind of thing. It sounds like there may be some improvement in the division where a couple of them become major league teams. And it would be good at that point. And yeah, Grandel's not getting any younger and he's, he's got his problems. Uh, it'd be good at that point to have a backup catcher who can catch, whether it's blocking or framing or throwing people out should the pitchers ever actually look over to first base in the first place. Uh, uh, but we may, we may really wish we had one next year, which wasn't a necessity this past season. We just got lucky. Yeah, the highlight the highlight quote that's going around is uh, you know Rick Hahn talking about the pitchers or the catchers like kind of being rushed in their development and they got a lot of improvement that they can make still. But the thing that caught me was that he said like you know we're always looking to improve at any position we can, but you know catcher is probably not the first target for us in free agency. So like, that really kind of reads to me as like, all right, we're going to stick with these guys. We might look on the bargain bin if somebody gets cut around spring training, but like, they're not going to make a move or sign somebody like they're going to go with these guys as the backup and hope they can be a little bit better <laughs> in the next year. Yeah. I don't see that being enough of <laughs> Rick did not have a, he had a, a, solid off season, certainly the way things played out, obviously not with Adam Eaton. So on the offensive addition side, no F, but you know, the hard to argue with Liam Hendricks, even though you wonder how those resources could get allocated. Otherwise, certainly Lance Lynn trade gone went as, as good as we could have hoped, even as he was pitching on um, half a knee uh, by the end of the season. Uh, but I'm not sure that we've just seen off season after off season of struggle for Rick. And given that there are bigger priorities, uh, right field, second base, I suppose, uh, rotation apparently now has become an even bigger concern. Yeah. It does seem like catching is just going to be like, well, hopefully we can improve the rest of the team enough and Gavin Sheets will take a big step forward or, you know, who are filling the blank. Maybe Gavin Sheets can catch. Yeah, well, you know, he has taken Innovative. on whatever challenge thrown at him and he actually seemed to at least at charlotte uh field right field better than first base so maybe if he goes to catcher he'll he'll field catcher better than right field and uh well yeah it's a bad plan too but i mean mercedes is a is a catcher but is he retired it seems like even at the end of the season there was talk that he had retired again so <laughs> not that the white Sox are actually you know like losing sleep or breath over it but he may not even be active. He may just be luxuriating. Somewhere. I just saw his Instagram video about an hour ago. And okay. he was playing baseball in what looked like the sandlot. So 
He's very active still. He catches. I would take him over Zach Collins. <laughs> For the love of the game. <laughs> in your means two months, we did see him hit more than Zach Collins has hit in the entire four years we've seen him. That's true. That's first round draft choice, sure. Zach Collins. Yes. Uh, and he can't be, he couldn't possibly, feel, and we didn't even get a chance to see. That was another thing that was very curious about his brief time, his stratospheric rise with the White Sox is one he inning. caught, yeah, we got one or two innings. It's like, I'm not that you necessarily want to, you wanted to start his offensive slump by making him catch, but we just, even in junk time, we didn't even get to see him catch to see if like, well, okay. Maybe his if he framing cools. was better in that one inning than Zach Collins <laughs> the entire time. That one inning, I was like, man, actually, no, he knows, he kind of knows what he's doing. But Crystal, Zach dances for dubs. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I only liked Danny Mendick and dancing for dubs. Wow, you don't even like Watch out. Uh, uh, O'Keefe Jr. Yeah, I'll tell you, do not ask her again what you like about Zach Collins. Cause she, he does, she doesn't even like his dancing. Um, are we feeling based on, this is, seems to be, I guess I, it's not, I don't think it's being too negative to say it's sort of um, inauspicious debut uh, to the postseason. Of course, as Adrian's pointed out, um, I think in his uh, writing or tweeting or whatnot, you know, it's, it's, this might be a longer off season than normal given the, uh, labor unrest so guess what you got more bad vibes podcasts coming Southside Sox fans but at least for now we can pretend everything's gonna be normal but uh this is not necessarily the way you want to get out of the gate where your GM is giving mixed messages it seems like holes that are just gaping there's only so much let's be clear a 200 million dollar (laughs) $200 million payroll probably still couldn't really fill all those holes sufficiently. And the white Sox are not going to have a $200 million payroll. So is this rough start um, sort of like an extension of the ALDS uh, to sour uh, fans? It's, it's not the, just the fans. Uh, I'm too cheap to to subscribe to ESPN plus, but uh, Will does. And he said that, on ESPN, they did not have, now again, these are just prognostications and guesses and whatnot, but they did not have a single of the top 50 free agents going to the White Sox. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors, which is a pretty knowledgeable bunch of guys on this stuff. That's what they do. Um, one of their guys had nobody of the top 50 going to the Sox. One had Bilar, and one did have Escobar and Conforto. And I saw one other list. Somebody somewhere had uh, did say that Castellanos might go to the Sox. But basically, nobody has any faith that the White Sox are doing anything. I think the move is after parsing through like tons of quotes from Rick Hahn today from anybody that actually was invited to the the, the Zoom. <laughs> it does seem like. Right field is probably the one that his target, well, well, who his target is, we don't know, but it seems like even though he kind of puffed up Vaughn Sheets and Angle again, he seemed the most open to letting in some, like, if we can find somebody in right field, you know, we'll move those kids to, uh, you know, DH and let them play there. But like second base, he was all in on Romy and Mendick and uh, <laughs> even talk about bringing Caesar back, you know, he's like, hey, you know, we're not, we're not done. Caesar and Leo are coming back. back. Maybe Zach um, Collins can play second. Yeah, so it, it really feels like, you know, uh, 
maybe somebody that's got some positional flexibility in right field. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, we're going to pay for Chris Bryan after we trade for uh, <laughs> trade Kim <Yeah>. Rule. <laughs> and, and, and Zach, let's get right to you because I know you're a Conforto guy. That seems like a move the Sox would make. And, you know, again, I know you, you dig them, but that seems like the move they'll make. And that seems like a move that w- w- may make you happy and, and, and maybe it'll prove to be good. But we'll say, oh, it seems like, a, oh, okay, that was, that was this offseason. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of the ceiling. And um, yeah, it, it, going back to what my grievance was several weeks ago, what your comments about Hendricks make me think of is that, you know, uh, the problem with Kimbrell, I think it's useful to remember, is not his $16 million salary. He's probably worth $16 million. It's that, like, we're not going to, when Jerry doesn't want to pay that. It's that Jerry doesn't want to pay that and then pay for other things that are going to make the team better. Yeah. Uh, so. I'm I'm actually confident they'll find a trade for him because there are other teams that are adding payroll that want to win and can use a reliever. Uh, that being said, to answer the question bluntly, no, this is not a promising start to the offseason at all. They've given us no indication that they've changed at all. Uh, they're going to be, at, you know, they're not showing us that they're going to be happy to do anything else but win 90 games and lose in four games in the ALDS every single year. So until that changes, no, not, not a good start. Okay, hot takes. Uh, did the contention window close already? Yes. This is very much like like my mom used to say, we've got food at home when I wanted McDonald's. (laughs) This is just Rick Hahn saying, we've got food at home because we have Zach Collins and we have Gavin Sheets. And you know what? Yolmer Sanchez is going to come back and he's going to be our utility man. He is, he is back, baby. Like get that fame article out now. Like this is the Rick Hahn saying, we've got food at home. Come have a seat at the dinner table. There, well, there's a the 2016 the emergency style. backup catcher when he was mm-hmm. on the team. That's true. Was he was. If, if, I think he was. When there were two catchers, if it, if, if it mm-hmm. happened that they both got used up for whatever reason, Yomer was the backup. Danny Mendick is back. the emergency catcher now, so Danny can't go anywhere. Does, is Rick Hahn, I haven't seen him, is he especially gaunt or is he very hefty now? There's a lot of food-themed stuff going on already with Rick Hahn, and it, apparently he might be spending a lot of time at McDonald's uh, crystals. It's going to be interesting to see how this off season proceeds. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up all, uh, you know, listen, we're supposed to be slacking off and doing like a post today. No, we're doing like five or six, you know, deal with it. People. If it's too much content for you, there's other sites to go visit that will just keep nothing refreshed for you. We are hitting you hard, deep dive, profiling every single player in the goddamn White Sox organization. I know you're like, who cares about some guy? And they just say, oh, okay, well, we do. That guy might, that might be the only article that guy ever gets written about him. I think it's worth doing. Uh, we've- Go watch Barstool, write pizzas, if that's the content <laughs> you're craving. Oh yeah. And there's, I think there's bikinis too. Uh, we have an exclusive Q&A coming up uh, with Rick Hahn wink uh, uh but we are going to continue with our offbeat stuff including poetry oh yes the poetry new products at our t public store i don't know i'm looking at adrian serrano but okay whatever uh and uh we are going to be rolling out some meet the player podcast as well we're going to get to know some of the newest uh members of our team joining maybe late or even mid season 2021 uh, a lot of fun stuff to look forward to everybody here thank you for joining as our I guess this is just an extension of grievances. Adrian, Crystal, Lee, Zach, thanks for this. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, reading, checking us out. This ends Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 72. We'll catch you at 73. 